feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. And you are listening to the Rita Cosby Show as developments are coming fast and furious in Ukraine. Right now, what is considered basically the mother of all military convoys, Russian military convoys, is en route to the capital city of Ukraine, Kiev. And it is said to be, by a number of reports, possibly 40 miles long and maybe two or three levels each. So think about that two or three rows each and a massive, massive convoy. Needless to say, right now, air raid sirens are going off in the capital city. And we are going to keep you posted with all of the latest developments. So far, more than 500,000 Ukrainian refugees have fled the country and many more in the next few days are expected and weeks. And Ukrainian President Zelensky remaining defiant, saying that he and Ukrainian citizens are picking up arms and will fight for their country and fight for freedom. Well, there has been so much criticism of the way that America has handled this. Still not sanctioning, by the way, oil and gas from Russia. How could they not be doing that? That is basically the financial supply for Russia. That helps them to be able to beef up their military. Think about that. We are still buying oil and gas from Russia. We also have not sanctioned oil and gas from Russia throughout the world, not just us, but also NATO and others. Why are we not doing it? That is their lifeline. Well, take a listen to Tom Cotton because he is very concerned at what's happening with President Putin and also what it means for others who want to do America and freedom harm. So if Vladimir Putin can get away with this in Ukraine, what does that say to Xi Jinping about what he can do in Taiwan or what he can do to threaten our military positions in the Western Pacific, what he can do to continue to cheat on trade deals, to take jobs and wealth away from this country? That's why the American people care about what happens in Eastern Europe is because it emboldens and encourages our adversaries everywhere if we simply look the other way when Vladimir Putin might invade Ukraine. Absolutely. So much is on the line. And in just about a minute or so, we are going to be joined by President Trump's chief of staff. He was a chief of staff, obviously, also congressman and just great military observer. Mark Morgan is uh, Mark. Meadows is going to be joining us in just a few moments, and Mark is going to be giving us his take on how President Trump would have handled this situation, what he would have done, and how he believes that President Putin never would have even challenged the world and certainly would have invaded Ukraine if he were still president. And in fact, President Trump gave a fiery speech at CPAC This weekend in Orlando got a rousing applause boy and in fact in the straw poll overwhelmingly came in first as the first choice for conservatives at that political action conference and he did not hold back on saying how sad he is to see where America is today after one year under President Biden take a listen to President Trump this weekend. 
And no matter how you look at it, our country has totally lost its self-confidence. Lost its self-confidence. We as a country have no confidence anymore. But we will get it back, and we'll get it back stronger than ever before. And he compared his handling of dealing with Ukraine compared to prior administrations and very much similar to the way that President Biden's handled it pretty much along the way. I gave Ukraine the javelins that everyone is now talking about and millions of dollars of other military equipment. The Obama administration gave them blankets. You remember? They gave them blankets. They said, we need more than blankets. No, no, we gave you blankets. They sent them blankets. Thank you very much. So why tonight has the Biden administration and also NATO, why have they not started sanctioning basically oil and gas from Russia? You know, they've sanctioned the Swiss, Swiss bank accounts. They've even said, OK, you can't be in FIFA in the soccer championship. They've done a whole bunch of stuff to them, but they have not come down on basically their main source of revenue and that is their lifeline. Why not cut off their lifeline as we are hearing about a 40-mile-long Russian military convoy that looks like it may be encircling the capital city of Ukraine at any moment, and that would mean urban warfare that will be a bloodbath, and that is going to be very difficult to watch. And joining us now to talk about all of this, and especially the way that his former boss would have handled the situation, is President Trump's former chief of staff, Mark Meadows. Mark, so great to have you here on the Rita Cosby Show, my friend. Rita, great to be with you. I wish it were under better circumstances. And your analysis in terms of what should be happening is spot on. When you look at the oil markets, when you look at the purchase of Russian and Iranian oil, the fact that it's not being sanctioned. Listen, uh, China, Senator Cotton is right. China is sitting back taking a notice. But China is a lot more complex. Their their economy is far more integrated with ours in terms of supply chain and everything else. This is an energy play, and quite frankly, President Trump knew that all too well. That's why Vladimir Putin, uh, you know, didn't do anything during the four years that President Trump was in office because he knew that uh, a strong leader would indeed uh, take a very strong stand, and and we would unleash and did unleash the power of the American economy, and more specifically, the American petroleum economy uh, that kept the price of oil down uh, at a place where Putin couldn't finance uh, the kind of operation that he's uh, that he's uh, militarily uh, putting forth right now. Yeah, absolutely. And everybody, we are talking to President Trump's former chief of staff, Mark Meadows, here on the Rita Cosby Show. And, you know, Mark, you bring up a powerful point because, of course, tomorrow is the State of the Union. This is President Biden's first technically State of the Union. And what is he going to say? He's got all these folks in his party that keep wanting to talk about climate change and green energy. And and to me, you're looking at this and you're talking and you're, I saw such a contrast this weekend when I was watching President Trump just with his strength of words, his strength of conviction, and also his clear strategy, as you just articulated, of making us energy independent and, and making us an exporter, a net exporter, actually. Um, so how incredible is it that here we are a year later and I don't know if I see this current president changing strategies. It's like a 180. 
Well, I don't know that we'll see it uh, changing. And, and here's here's ultimately the problem that we have is when when we have uh, President Trump, who is willing to not only be forceful about it, but do it in a way and still try to maintain a good relationship, not just with uh, President Putin, but with uh, President Xi as well of China. And and yet they understood one thing is is that when it came to the American people, uh, that, that President Trump was not going to stand at idly by. Now, here, here's what we have tonight is, as you mentioned, this convoy coming in, a very sad situation for the great people of Ukraine and, and freedom lovers there. Uh, my hat goes off to uh, President Zelensky for the unbelievable amount of bravery. You know, a lesser man would have would have uh, left town already. In fact, his predecessor did leave, uh, uh, who was a Russian puppet. Uh, and yet that's what this is all about. Putin is trying to send a message. That's why he's going to come in with such unbelievable strength. But don't think that he'll stop with Ukraine. The Balkans are next. Uh, I, I, I think that if, if Europe and NATO does not step up, it will send not only the wrong message, but here's the reason why they're not sustaining the, the, the oil. They're really they're, they're connected to the oil in such a way that if they sanction it, they're afraid that Russia will turn off the spigot to Germany and everywhere else. President Trump mentioned this early on in his administration, but it's something that we have to continue to work on. Absolutely. And that's exactly why he was so hard, Mark Meadows, pushing, as you know, for energy independence, which we did get. You know, and that's what is so astounding to see at this moment. Um, I know you heard his speech at CPAC. Uh, Everybody was watching it. I thought it was a powerful speech. Um, And also, I thought it was also a powerful speech about freedom, Um, freedom overseas, freedom also in this country. He also talked about, you know, not just Ukraine's borders, but also talked about our American borders. What were your thoughts about his speech and where he's headed for 2024? Because he sure sounds like he's uh, like two well, seconds away like from saying it. <laughs> yeah, but, but more than a campaign speech, it was a strong speech about freedom and about the uniqueness of the American people and how they love freedom and how he's uh, honestly wanting to bring us back to the place that we were a little over 12 months ago. He and I uh, speak very often a number of times a week. And, and I think the thing that bothers him the most is how quickly the American people have forgotten how great it was under his administration. And maybe they haven't forgotten because Joe Biden's poll numbers are, are in the tank. Uh, but he, he's really saddened by the fact that it only takes strong leadership to not only uh, avoid some of the things like Putin in Ukraine, but high gas prices, inflationary supply chains, you name it. And uh, he knows how to fix it. And he's going to encourage the American people to join him in fixing it. And I believe that he'll announce, uh, you know, in the not too distant future that he's, he's throwing his hat in the ring again. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, and look, that crowd he just got a rousing applause. And he I think, did. oh, he my did. goodness. And also, Mark, what a contrast, too. I think people watching him, um, I mean, you've known him a long time. I've known him a long time. And watching him, it just was such a stark contrast to the leadership that we have now and so many levels, just the message, the tone, the strength, the strength of conviction. What were your sort of thoughts overall? And do you think, just as you said, now people sort of stepping back, I think there are a number of people who are going, gosh, we really did have it really good. Yeah, you know, the interesting thing is he really started to remind us of the candidate that we saw leading up to 2016. And so as he started to talk about 
America's greatness, started to focus on why uh, we needed to make sure that we had real leadership there. Uh, not only did he get a resounding applause, but I think the people started to remember this is the, the kind of person that they wanted in the White House. And as they wanted that person in the White House, uh, you know, it made such a big difference that they're yearning for that compared to the kind of leadership that they're seeing right now. Yeah, absolutely. Big contrast. And, you know, one thing that was really beautiful to Mark Meadows was he also said, listen, I would like President Biden to be doing well because I care about the country. I mean, you also saw a patriot that you and I know firsthand. Yeah, he he he, and he has said that privately to me. As much as you might think of the the competitor in President Trump and the way that he goes back and forth, uh, you know, I, I can tell you that uh, he really uh, wants America to do great, and with that, wants obviously President Trump, I mean President Biden, to do well. But uh, sadly, uh, you know, the 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 progressives around him are not allowing it to happen. Yeah, absolutely. They are definitely running the roost and ruling the roost. Um, And it's I don't see him reversing course either, unfortunately, for America right now, which makes me so sad, too. Um, Anyway, um, Mark Meadows, it was wonderful having you on. And I thought the president gave a superb speech. And uh, I definitely think he is the one to beat for 2024. Really great to have you here, Mark. Great to be with you, Rita. Take care. God bless. Thank you. God bless you, my friend. And when we come back, everybody, we're going to take your calls. You just heard Mark Meadows' great perspective on President Trump's speech and the contrast between President Trump and our current president. What are your thoughts and how concerned are you that President Biden is not going to reverse course tomorrow night? I don't think he's going to reverse course on energy independence or any of these things. And what a different speech we heard from President Trump last night compared to what I think we're going to hear tomorrow from our current president for the State of the Union. What a mess, sadly, our country is in. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. It's the Rita Cosby Show. Breaking news. And at this hour, a massive Russian military convoy is heading towards Kiev, the capital of Ukraine. Um, The people of Ukraine are right now pleading for a no-fly zone, actually, over the entire country. And so far, the U.S. and NATO has said that they are not planning to do that because that would further draw the U.S. and the NATO forces into battle. And Putin has already said anybody who helps or supplies military or does anything to the Ukrainians will pay a dear price. And so far, we do know, of course, that the U.S. and other countries are indeed selling, sending military hardware, sending humanitarian supplies. Uh, But it is a dire situation tonight in Ukraine. And we're going to keep you posted. I'm going to take your calls also on what you think we should do next, because these images are heartbreaking, at least Half a million Ukrainian refugees rather have fled the country and have been heading to a whole bunch of nearby countries like Poland, Moldova, Romania. Um, Also, they are hiding out in subways and in underground bunkers and are preparing for what could be the absolute worst. Um, I anticipate, sadly, I think some dark moments are going to be coming very, very soon, whether it's tonight or tomorrow night, as this convoy is coming very close to the capital. And they expect it to be very bloody urban fighting at that point. 
Um, also, uh, folks from Belarus are joining the fight. Chechens, we know, are joining the fight because Putin is seeing that in the first few days he was not doing as well. So now this could be the time where he really steps it up and the world is watching and we just have to keep our thoughts and prayers for the Ukrainian people. But also, what could President Biden have done prior to this moment? First of all, I think he should have at minimum instituted some of these sanctions beforehand. He hasn't even sanctioned oil and gas yet. That is Russia's main supply. They're getting money from oil and gas and using it to buy cluster bombs that are basically, you know, bombing civilians and everybody else in Ukraine. So why are we not doing that? That, to me, is astounding. And we heard over the weekend from President Trump, who gave a great speech about why it's important for America to lead. Take a listen. The world is always safer when America has a strong president. America has to be strong, and it needs strong leadership. And you see what happens when you have bad, weak, or incompetent leadership. It's a travesty like nobody could believe could happen in such a short period of time. The world is always in danger with a weak American president. And President Trump said that he would have been able to avert Putin, that he had at least a relationship with Putin and that Putin respected him because he knew that President Trump was strong. And he says that's not the case with this current leader. And they so far allowed him to get away with this travesty and assault on humanity. That's what it is. This is an assault on humanity. So sad. Putin is playing Biden like a drum and it's not a pretty thing as somebody that loves our country to watch. Just not a pretty thing to watch. It is heartbreaking for the world. And I contend that this president and his energy policies have been a disaster. And had we been energy independent, had we also been more forceful early on and done a number of things early on as opposed to leading, you know, from behind, which is, I think, the case in this one. I think things would have been so different for the Ukrainian people. What are your thoughts, everybody? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Larry in Brooklyn. Larry, your thoughts about all this. Go ahead. Yes, uh, Rita. You know, when we fought the Vietnam War, the essential criticism was that we're trying to save a people that are not really bent on freedom. Uh, they're not so thrilled about free- freedom. And eventually that proved correct. In this case, we have millions of people who are about to lay their lives out on the line and be slaughtered. There is no doubt we have to come to the rescue of these people because they are going to die a bloody, savage death if we don't. Now, the reason Biden is holding back like a coward, and by the way, when Putin built up for three weeks, what he was doing was he was testing Biden, and Biden did nothing. What he should have done was impose sanctions right away, and he could have sent the NATO force uh, uh, right away also. But he didn't do anything because – you know why? Because he doesn't want to get involved in making decisions on nuclear warfare because his mental process is compromised, and he knows that. Now, even though he's got people working for him, the buck stops with him. He doesn't want to go down in, in, in world history as, as facilitating or enhancing nuclear war. Well, and, and see, Larry, what... I actually don't think at that point he – I mean, obviously we know that Russia is a nuclear power, and that certainly raises the stakes 1,000 percent. 
I think he just totally underestimated Vladimir Putin. I think he just came across as like some people handle pressure well and step up to the plate and others fold like cheap suits. And I think our president folded like a cheap suit. I think he's leading from behind. And I think it has not just hurt America standing, but it's hurt the world. And I think Putin, just as, you know, as we heard from President Trump over the weekend, I think he was laughing when he saw us pull out of Afghanistan with our tail between our legs, leaving Americans behind. He was like, oh, God, if they're going to handle it that way, well, I better hurry up and do it now. You know, and he smelt an opportunity. He smelt weakness. And we didn't even have the guts to put any sanctions. And then he later said, well, you know, I didn't even think there were going to be a deterrent. And he still hasn't even gone full throttle with the sanctions. He's letting the EU lead the sanction effort. And we're just sort of like way, way in the background. America is the greatest country in the world. We should be leading, at least leading with activities and letting Putin know we will keep him in place. Rita Cosby is on. Show presents Back the Blue. And in tonight's Back the Blue segment, a powerful story coming out of Pennsylvania, Tire Hill, Pennsylvania, where an officer there with the local police department, who was a fairly young officer, a rookie, he was working the day shift that Sunday recently, and something in his gut told him that he had to drive up Kiefer Hill Road. He said, I don't know why, but for some reason I felt that I should go up there. And sure enough, when he got there, something he saw made him hit the brakes. He said, oh, my goodness, a pickup truck was backed up to the road and a young man was outside stumbling around. At first, he thought the guy may have been intoxicated, but then he realized it was much more serious, that he had a gunshot wound on his left side of his chest and they had blood pouring out and was all over his shirt. And he could see that a firearm was laying there. Well, the man immediately went to help him. He said he was fading in and out of consciousness. Um, He also called for EMS, which got there within minutes to perform life-saving measures. And if it were not for the officer being there at the right place at the right time, for sure the outcome, everyone says, would have been different. And the head of the police department said that this officer is just one of the great officers that we have and deserving of commendations for that day. The officer himself said, I don't know if somebody was telling me that something was going to happen there. I honestly can't tell you, but I felt that I had to go there. I had to follow my gut. And thank goodness he did. And thank goodness he saved that man's life. Well, tonight we are, of course, praying for the lives of the people of Ukraine because right now we know that a massive military convoy from the Russians with armored tanks and everything else is on its way to surround the capital city of Kiev. And they are already pummeling right now Kharkiv, which is the second biggest city there in Ukraine. And this is just going to be a very difficult night. And the next few days, we could see potentially a lot of urban warfare in the streets if indeed once those troops do come into the capital city. Because guess what? The Ukrainian people have said they are going to fight with everything they have. I love, by the way, this President Zelensky. The guy's an actor and a comedian. And yet this guy has had the guts of an unbelievable warrior. I mean, he's one of the most courageous people I've ever seen. He's like, I am staying and fighting, even though there are reports now that Russian mercenaries are trying to track him down and his family, as well as like mayors of Ukraine and others. And yet he is saying, I am staying and fighting. And so are people of all ages. 
and they have had a number of refugees as well. 500,000 people have fled the country, but it's a country of 40 million. So there are still tens of millions that are staying at this point and want to fight for freedom. Think about the guts of those people. And, of course, we're going to keep you posted on all of those developments. And tomorrow night is the State of the Union for President Biden. It's his first State of the Union. You know, usually you say, I've covered a lot of these through the years. It's the State of the Union is strong is usually where you start or you end on. It's going to be the State of the Union's broken because between what's happening in Ukraine, what's happening in our borders, what's happening in our urban cities, crime, inflation, there are so many things. I'd love to hear where he says the State of the Union's strong. Where is that? Boy, are things a mess. And this is what White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki said, is he's going to position himself and the world and America tomorrow during the speech. And I want to get your take if you think that this is just a bunch of malarkey. And certainly, uh, you know, I think people can expect um, to hear him, uh, you know, position that as um, the importance of the United States as a leader uh, in uh, the world, uh, standing up for values, standing up for um, for uh, global norms, um, but also, um, you know, the efforts uh, that he has undertaken to mitigate how it will impact people here. Wow. And Kevin McCarthy, of course, one of the House leaders there, the House minority leader, said, you know what? He blames President Biden's policies for leading us to this moment and not thwarting Putin, who's going to unleash hell on earth, I think, to the Ukrainians in the next 24, 48 hours. What Putin is trying to do through all of this is he didn't see determined what President Biden should have done. He should have supplied the weapons that he talks about today to the Ukraine. I had this conversation with President Biden in advance, telling him, I do not believe that Putin is afraid of sanctions. He's lived with them for years. He knows how to get around them. What he really needs is a determined. Yeah, and I don't think President Biden has given him a deterrent in any shape or form. Do you think he has in any shape or form? And right now, yeah, we're sending some javelins over there. Um, That is very important. And Stinger missiles, that's very important. And so are the Germans and so are others. And so thank goodness some of them are finally stepping up. But why didn't they do this months ago? And why have they still not to this day said we're going to sanction Russian oil and gas? That is the lifeline of President Putin. And also, why are we not saying, hey, we're going to start drilling here in America? I know my loony kazoony green energy people have said, go green energy. They made a mistake. For the world, for the sake of America and the sake of the world, we're going to temporarily put that on hold. That would be the right thing for him to do tomorrow. It would be the right thing to do to reverse it totally. But I do not see that happening. And, in fact, everybody, you got to make sure because we're going to have the best State of the Union coverage anywhere here. Also, you got to tune in because we will be covering it, of course, here on The Rita Cosby Show. What are your thoughts, everybody? 1-800-848-9222. one 848 Two, two. Um, let's go to Lamar in Manhattan. Go ahead, Lamar. Your thoughts. Uh, good evening, ma'am. I just wanted to say. Well, I would like to preface my two points with this uh, statement. Statement that the great Ronald Reagan very often used. 
I'm about to say something controversial. The first point I would like to make is that this universal attack against Vladimir Putin from the United Kingdom, the United States, Western Europe, and NATO will only have the unintended consequence of fortifying the position of Vladimir Putin within the borders of the Russian Federation. The second point I would like to make is that the military prowess, the military virtue, the martial virtue of the Russian soldier is well documented and legendary. The idea that there are countries now sending armaments to Ukraine will only increase manifold the loss of innocent human life and prolong the agony of this conflict that can only end with the decimation of the Ukraine. If they attempt Wait, to Lamar, fight- Lamar, do you, are you like a Putin apologist or what? I'm trying to figure out where you're coming from because you seem to think like Vladimir Putin's the greatest thing since sliced bread. Go ahead. Well, quite the contrary, ma'am. I'm not a supporter of Vladimir Putin. But, you, but you're, you're, you are expecting the Ukrainian people, where they are about to get slaughtered and wiped off the face of the map, that you're just saying they should basically surrender. And, and I contend that that I understand it's going to be a bloody fight, Lamar. And I And I hear what you're saying in terms of the Russian military being so strong. They absolutely are. And you can even see these satellite images. I mean, it's 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 really frightening to see of this, you know, convoy that seems to go on forever. They're saying now it's as long as 40 miles potentially in length and only a few miles outside of the city, the capital city. So I, I hear what you're saying in that regard. But but that doesn't mean the world's supposed to bow down to an evil dictator. I'm confused with that part of what you're saying, Lamar. All I'm trying to say, ma'am, is that you can uh... With the improper view of things, you can carry your banner right off a cliff. There is no way, militarily speaking, that the Ukraine can achieve anything military on the on the field of battle against the Russian forces. So, let, Lamar, a- Lamar, let me ask you: Don't you think things might have been different if and and listen? I pray that they give them a run for their money, though. So far, they already have at least shown more than I think the Russians even expected so far. Um, but don't you think things could have been and would have been different? And, and again, let's pray for a miracle that they can fight them off. But if America and if other countries had stepped up earlier, like we're finally hearing that Germany and other countries are giving Javelin missiles. They're giving a thousand Javelin missiles. That's great. Guess what? Before this, you know what they gave? They gave 5,000 helmets, Lamar. How shameful is that? The world community should have stepped up, and that also means leadership by America to have brought us to that point. The leader of America should have guided the world months ago to step in and give them the amount of you know armaments, give them humanitarian need, give them money. I'm not saying necessarily U.S. boots on the ground. I'm talking about hardware. And then the other thing is also, Lamar, the fact that to this day, we are still not sanctioning oil and gas. You know that Putin uses all of that. He uses he, he that's how he he funneled. That's how he basically funds his military and everybody else. They wouldn't have enough money to keep continuing if they had started this like a smart leader would have done months ago. Don't you think, Lamar? So I think we've put the Ukrainians at a terrible disadvantage. Ms. Crosby, everything you said uh, 
is the truth, but I would like to remind you. There's an old saying, and it goes like this. If riches were horses, beggars would ride. If we had a leader in this country instead of a man who's masquerading as one, if we had the great Donald John Trump in the Oval Office, of course none of this would have happened. But we don't. Yeah, and sadly, the world is paying a dear price for that. I agree with you. Lamar, uh, thank you very much. I feel your passion, and I appreciate your call. you got to call back again. You're terrific. Thank you. Let's go to Stan in Forest Hill. Stan, your thoughts about this. We just heard from Lamar who said we needed Donald Trump at this moment in history, and instead we basically have a pansy. Go ahead, Stan. A pansy, huh? Uh, Let's go back down memory lane a little bit. The conversations between the president of Ukraine and Donald Trump on the phone. Did he ever offer them any weapons? No. This was two years ago. Remember those little situations? He actually no he actually did release the weapons. He actually did, Stan. you got to make sure you check your facts before you well, call no the weapons. show because he, he did. He actually – No, was there. no they actually – They actually had javelins. They actually had a number of U.S. military hardware prior to this moment. They're finally getting more, uh, but they did have quite a bit under President Trump. Really? So, they yes. did. So that's why they're in the situation? He gave them very little? He gave them quite a bit, but they need a lot more. They didn't have a lot to begin with, sadly, Stan. Really? That's why really? it's a David and Goliath fight. Absolutely, the other factor Stan. Is, yep, the go other ahead. Factor. Next next question, Stan. Well, no, yeah, I think you're wrong about that. But uh, the next Actually, point. I know I'm right, but go ahead. Oh, well, yeah, you can say you're right. It's your show. <laughs> it's okay. No, but, but you know what? I, I actually I, I know what the facts are, but go ahead, you know Stan. What the facts are. Go ahead, okay. Stan. Yep, go ahead. So, well, have they used these javelin missiles? Yeah, they I actually are. They actually are. If you have seen, they actually claim that they have shot out. A number well, of Russian. That. I'm glad that they shot out something. Yeah, so thank forth. goodness. Yeah, but I have to agree with him. I do think uh, I, I'm not. You know, I can't stand Putin. They we, they got to make the Russians bleed. When they make them bleed, they'll think twice. But not for long. I believe. Sadly, I believe Ukraine will fall. But I would think that the forty thousand troops that have been put near the border and weapons on the border may decide to use ballistic missiles or long range missiles. To shoot it into uh, Ukraine or near where the Russians are, I think that may be a possibility. I heard that on the radio today. Yeah, you know but, the only you uh, know, know the only problem. Do it. I don't know. I don't the, know if they're going to do and it. And let me ask your thoughts, Stan, on this too, because sure, sure. I, I know that you, uh, you you appreciate the Ukrainian people and their fight. Yeah. You know, the problem is they are asking also for a no-fly zone over Ukraine right now too. Um, and right now, U.S. and NATO don't want to do that because the minute that happens— Well, isn't that more NATO? Isn't that more— Well, well yeah, our, I mean, but, we can stop the fight, but yeah. that's NATO and the European countries, right? Right, but we're a part of NATO, too, remember? But the European so, Union, hasn't they asked right, the European you, Union? Yes, but they also asked U.S. as well. And so between all of that, the problem with that and also the problem with what you're saying, and uh, obviously best of intentions— um, but the problem is the minute you do that, and if it's a U.S. troop or if it's a NATO troop that fired that missile or, say, they enter, you know, Russians enter. Russia said they would go nuclear. Right. right. Then, then we yeah, – then... I, I think he's bluffing on that, to be honest with you. Let's says, hope so. Interfere. I think – because I've said this before. No one – I mean, and I've been – no one wins in nuclear war. If he thinks he can win, he's out of his mind. There is no winners here. If they they decide if we – uh, to go that and the nu- nuclear missile, it's over because nobody wins. Not even us, not even them. That's a guarantee. And you're obviously NATO 
would, would be significantly hurt. So I, I think agree. He's bluffing. I think he's bluffing on that. He got to be. He would have to. As you said, the oligarchs. I think you mentioned why the oligarchs should be talking to this jerk. Can I say and one have, thing, Stan? And I'll sure, just be sure, honest because sure. I'm always honest with you and all and all of our great listeners here tonight. I am really worried where Putin is going to go just because I think he is a crazy guy. I think he everybody who sort of knows him that has, you know, spent time with him has said they think there's something different. We heard, you know, from Condoleezza Rice over the weekend and others who were saying, you know, oh, he, there's something a little different about this Putin. And he's a little crazy. He seems to be wanting to go down in glory and history and that kind of personality. If indeed maybe there's something wrong with him mentally or physically, um, maybe there are no barriers to someone like that. And and that scares me. I, I hope I'm wrong, but I feel like he is a madman, and that's what makes it really scary. And right now, he's a little embarrassed because the world is going, oh, you know, you, you didn't really get a hand. You didn't get air superiority over Ukraine, even though it's David and Goliath. They seem to be winning right now. And that's a scary premise. And, and Stan, you know, I've talked about my dad before. I'll just bring up an example from personal history. My father, as you guys know, was a Warsaw Upriser. And my father, just like the people of Ukraine tonight that are picking up Molotov cocktails, my dad was doing that too. My dad was fighting. He had to kill a German to get a gun. He had to kill a German to get shoes because they shut off everything. Remember when they took over their country? And it was slaughter. And so for the first few days of the Warsaw Uprising, and it started... You know, in October 1944, August 1st at 5 o'clock, it was called W Hour. And for the first few days, they had the upper hand because the Germans didn't really know Warsaw like, of course, the insurgents did, the people did. And they weren't expecting the fight that my father had and the fight that we're seeing from the Ukrainians. And then Hitler got so mad when he found out this was ragtag group of boys and girls and other people were fighting so ferociously for their country that he put an order out and said, level Warsaw. And start basically in the Old Town section, which is where my father was. And guess what? Old Town was leveled. About 80 to 90 percent of Old Town was in rubble within a few weeks. Um, So what I am so worried about is Hitler, just like Putin, madmen, and want to go down in a blaze of glory. And I'm worried tonight that Putin is going to unleash hell on earth in Ukraine and in Kiev, and I'm just praying so hard for those people tonight. When we come back, everybody, I'm going to take your calls. What do you think led us to this moment? What should the U.S. do? We've heard two totally different opinions. What are your thoughts? 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222, and you're listening to The Rita Cosby Show. This is The Rita Cosby Show. Breaking news. And as we speak, a massive convoy is en route to the capital city of Ukraine. It is said to be 40 miles long of Russian troops and Russian military hardware. Uh, Think about the onslaught that could be coming. And they are also attacking other cities right now in Ukraine. A number of locations, military locations and civilian locations, have been targeted. The Russians don't seem to care if they are hitting civilian facilities. And, of course, as we speak, also the Ukrainian president says that tonight could be a very difficult one, especially as that convoy is coming close. But he remains defiant, saying that he is staying in Ukraine no matter how much he is being targeted specifically by the Russians. And we're going to give you the latest developments in just a few minutes, too, that's coming out of Ukraine. We are also talking about leadership or the lack thereof because tomorrow night 
is the first State of the Union for President Biden. And boy, you think about what a mess it is, not just at Ukraine's borders, our borders. Think about inflation, supply chain, gas prices. Is he going to give some new revelation that maybe he's going to say, oh, well, maybe I might open up Keystone Pipeline. Maybe I will allow drilling on federal lands. Sadly, I don't think so. I think he's going to stay with the course that he has been doing, no matter how disastrous it is for America and for the world. And in the last few days, we've heard from a number of Republican leaders who feel that this president's policies have been absolutely catastrophic, not just for American security, but international security. Take a listen to Congressman Kevin McCarthy. Think about if President Zelensky how far that they are fighting. Think if they had half the weapons we've left in Afghanistan. They would have paid for them. But Russia would have never entered. Russia would have been falling even today. Think if Zelensky would have taken President Biden's advice of leaving the country. It would have collapsed. He is a modern-day Winston Churchill. We do not need a Neville Chamberlain to appease some other dictator like Putin. That we've watched through history how that was a mistake. This is a moment in time. And boy, you think about it, had that $83 billion worth of military hardware that we left behind in Afghanistan. We didn't blow it up. We didn't put it on transport planes. We left it literally so it fell in Taliban hands. Explain that one. To me, that is outrageous. And boy, even a third of it could be used right now by the Ukrainians. They are begging for anything they could get. But why not? Why didn't we send that in months ago? We left it behind in terrorist hands. Are you kidding me? Well, here is Congressman Mike McCall, and he basically said President Biden's strategy has been disastrous and still continues to be because he's not sanctioning the right things. The idea that we're importing Russian energy in the United States after our president shut down Keystone, made us not energy independent anymore, but rather now dependent on Russia and then putting Putin's pipeline into Europe, making Europe uh, dependent on Russian Energy is such a huge foreign policy and national security failure that we find ourselves now. I would say unleash the arsenal of sanctions right now. Now's the time. Don't wait any longer. And let's see if President Biden has the guts to go up the left wing loonies of his party, the radical left that has said, oh, no, we should be talking about windmills right now. If this is not a time where we shouldn't be talking about windmills, I don't know what is. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Alina in Teaneck, New Jersey. Go ahead, Alina. Good evening, Rita. How are you, Alina? What do you think? Uh, What do I think? Well, I'm okay. (laughs) That's the only way we can be. We must survive here in America as well as the Ukrainians in Ukraine. But first of all, Rita, before anything, I want to tell you about the wonderful support you have given to reporting on all the events in Ukraine. Thank you. Oh, Elena, thank you. You know, to me, it's the least we can do. I, You know, I love freedom. I appreciate these people that are fighting with their hearts out there. Yes. And the world needs to be keeping them in our prayers and also pushing for the world to do whatever we can to support them, whether it's, you know, military hardware or humanitarian or policies or the right sanctions. It's, you know, it's critical, not just for them, but it really is critical for the world. Yes. And Rita, I wanted to say that I love America. I support our president because he represents America. Absolutely. But I do not support 
Biden's decision making. Or let's say it's not only his, it's the people around him. I do not support their decision making towards Ukraine and towards Putin. I agree. And and by the way, Elena, I want the best. Believe me, I would love for our president to be doing the right thing right now, because not only is it the best thing for our country, it's the best thing for the world. And we're all rooting for him as we are rooting for the people of Ukraine. But we also have to call it out for what we see. And it's a disaster. Feisty, fearless and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is The Rita Cosby Show. Breaking news. And on the latest developments, here it is, day six of the battle between Russia and Ukraine. And Ukraine is fighting for its survival tonight. Some big breaking news coming in uh, that Kiev is being rocked by huge explosions. That's the capital city there. Uh, There was a first round of ceasefire negotiations. It didn't go anywhere between the Ukrainian and the Russians. And now there are satellite images showing a massive military convoy, Russian military convoy, stretching up to 40 miles long. Think about that. You can see it on satellite. It, like, goes on and on and on. And it's armored personnel carriers, uh, heavily fortified troops. And there are reports that the Ukrainians are trying to blow up bridges on the way of that convoy because it is heading to the capital city of Kiev. And they've had some success with blowing up some of the bridges already, but they are continuing to try to do whatever they can to stop that convoy from reaching the capital city. But already there are explosions being heard in the night sky. There are lots of thick plumes of smoke coming from the capital right now. And many people are very worried that the Russian troops are preparing for a long and bloody siege of the capital city of Kiev. Uh, because the military may be looking to cut off the capital from the rest of the country and sort of encircle the capital, uh, knowing that that is the heart of the country. It's also where President Zelensky and basically some of the most diehard fighters from Ukraine are. And that's a massive city, by the way. It's a very, very big city. Many millions of people are there. A number of people have fled. But as we are saying right now, uh, that capital city is being rocked by bombs and gunfire. Also, by the way, um, Russian troops also accused of dropping a cluster bomb on a preschool. That happened uh, at a northeastern city, and a number of kids were actually killed. And now the International Criminal Court is being asked to look into that, into Russia for war crimes, and many people expecting uh, that that is just the beginning because it doesn't seem that Vladimir Putin necessarily cares whether he's hitting military members or hitting civilians. And we will, of course, keep you posted here on the Rita Cosby Show as we are covering all the big breaking developments with that massive convoy that is absolutely frightening, again, heading to the main capital city of Kiev in Ukraine. And it seems to just be a few miles away. And already there is bombing taking place in the capital city and fighting in the capital city more than we have seen in previous nights. We've seen in other parts of the country, but now it looks like they're going right to the heart 
of the capital city, and we will keep you posted. Well, this is what Pentagon spokesperson John Kirby said earlier today about that massive convoy that is seen on satellite that the world is watching coming closer to the Capitol. On the, the, the convoy, I mean, I've seen the images that, that uh, you're referring to um, uh, on, on television just like you. I mean, we, we, we see them as well. Um, I can't speak to specifics about its makeup uh, uh, in, in the timeline and the schedule that they're on or, or what their ultimate uh, destination is. But clearly, we continue to see Russian forces uh, uh, move on or move try to move closer to so they can move on Kiev from the ground. Um, uh, we still assess that they're uh, outside the city center. Um, and uh, but uh, what we know uh, clearly that uh, they have they have uh, intentions with respect to Kiev. So tonight, I want to hear your thoughts. What should we do about that convoy? That if you look at the images, they are coming closer and closer. Apparently, they haven't had as much fuel supply as they had hoped originally because they were only moving about two or three miles at one point. And a lot of people were suspecting that they didn't have enough fuel. Imagine if we had sanctioned Russian fuel and oil. Imagine if we had cut off Russian fuel and oil. You think they'd even be able to move at all? I mean, my goodness, again, I keep going back to the fact that we should have done that months ago and the fact that we're doing these different staggered layers of sanctions. It's great that we're cutting them out of the FIFA World Cup in Qatar. I'm happy to see that. I'm happy to see that Russian you know, soccer players aren't going to be able to, to compete. What about doing something that would have stopped this convoy that is about to just unleash a bloodbath on the Ukrainian people? potentially in the next 24, 48 hours. We may see one of the worst catastrophes in human history, basically the worst land war since World War II is about to encroach on the Ukrainian people. And we could have at least done something much more preemptively. And yet we have been following and following and following and not doing, you know, these sort of tepid responses and still not going to the heart of what, The Ukrainian people are asking. They're saying, please cut off Putin and his oil and gas supply. Please cut him off. You know, so far we've cut off our own supplies. We've cut off Keystone. We've cut off drilling. We've cut off all these things in America. Why are we not cutting off Putin's? Give me a break. We should be drilling in America, be energy independent. And then we would not have even had to rely on Russia one iota. And then we could have been supplying the rest of the world that's worried what's going to happen if we cut off Putin's oil supply. Because then they're worried what's going to come to them. Will they get it? Will they get that oil? Will they get that gas? Imagine if we were like drilling and everything like crazy now, we would be the world's supplier along with others, but leading the pack. And yet we are in such a disastrous position because this president from day one canceled that Keystone pipeline. What are your thoughts and what should we do tonight as we are watching what could be hell on earth? It's this 40-mile convoy of Russian military hardware, some of the most advanced weaponry and toughest weaponry in the world. And President Putin is now embarrassed, too, because in the last few days, the Ukrainian people have rose up. He didn't imagine, I don't think, that he'd be here on day six 
and still the, the Ukrainian resistance, as we're seeing the people there, men and women, are picking up arms and doing whatever they can. And even with this convoy, they are trying to stop the convoy, trying to sabotage it, basically, you know, blow up the bridges. There was even a report, think about this, of one Ukrainian guy who was trying to blow up a bridge. And he saw that the Russians were going to be coming and he didn't have enough time to basically put the device under the bridge like you normally would see. You know, you see it in the movies. You see it all the time in military. They put him under the bridge. He didn't have time. So he basically blew himself up so the Russians would be stopped in their tracks at this point. This is the heart and the fight of the Ukrainian people because they're fighting for their homeland survival. And you can't underestimate that fight. But we should be giving them whatever we can to help. But I want to hear your thoughts tonight. And is there something that you think we should be doing as this massive Russian military convoy is about to encircle the capital city of Ukraine and unleash hell on earth to the Ukrainian people? Should we bomb it? Should we try to do something to stop it? Is there anything at this point we can do? I contend there definitely are policies that we could have done well before it. But isn't there something that we can do or we should do at this moment? Again, you know, I don't contend that we should send American troops in there. I'm hesitant about bombing the convoy, too, because that would certainly leash payback to us and to other NATO countries. But I want to hear your thoughts if there's something that we should be doing right now, because it looks like we are about to enter a really brutal and deadly phase for the Ukrainian people. Because even though they have guts of steel, as we have seen, they are not going to be a match for the Russian army. Especially, they're finally just getting in javelins. They're finally just getting in stinger missiles. They're finally just getting in some of the things that the world should have sent them months ago. And one of the big fears that everybody has is that the fact that President Putin has put his nuclear forces on high alert. He is a nuclear nation, and that's why this gets very dangerous. But take a listen. This is what John Kirby had to say about those nuclear forces being on alert on the Russian side. Take a listen. So on the nuclear question, I uh, I have nothing to confirm these reports that they've changed their staffing. Um, what I would tell you is we've seen Mr. Putin's announcement. Um, uh, we believe it's as unnecessary as it is escalatory. But uh, we're reviewing and analyzing that uh, that announcement um, and. I would only just tell you that um, that as we continue to review and, and, and analyze and monitor, uh, that, that Secretary Austin is, is comfortable with the, the strategic deterrent posture of the United States and our ability to defend the homeland, our allies, and our, and our partners. So are you confident that we are prepared? And what do you think we should do with this massive military convoy that is about to unleash a hell of historic proportions potentially in the next few days, even as early as tonight. 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222, and you're listening to The Rita Cosby Show. Let's go to Howard in Babylon. Howard, your thoughts about this tonight when we see these images. Howard, I don't know if you've seen it, but it's like, I mean, it's stunning when you look at the convoy. Yes, ma'am. First of all, if you give me the time, I study this stuff. Um, I think we in the other countries, NATO and, and the EU, should continue sanctions because the value of the ruble is dropping to nothing. Next, 
I think they, the Ukrainians, should have the weaponry, the RPGs and automatic weapons fire to attack the convoy before it gets to its the point where it can do more damage. They know it's coming, and they probably know its route. They should go out there and fight it out outside the city before it gets close in. That is my opinion. And, Howard, by the way, I think you made some good points there. First, on the ruble, um, you're right. Remember, the Russian stock market didn't open up today. And you know that some of these other people finally are going to go, hey, wait a minute, uh, Vlad. Uh, this is not working out really well for my uh, oligarch uh, yacht, and it's not very much working out for my oligarch business and all that. So, yeah, I hear you on that one. Um, on the other one, I also agree. Because if we can provide them with the weaponry that they can somehow thwart that convoy, because if you suddenly, no matter how much heart and soul you have, and believe me, I think the Ukrainian people have displayed that, and including their president leading at the helm, um, you know, it's been really inspiring to see that. Um, But on the negative side, just like you said, if that convoy gets to the capital city, um, they're going to be outmanned. They're going to be outgunned. Uh, everything, you know, you're, these are like you're looking at them. You can see it from satellite images. I mean, it's it's major tanks, major military hardware. Um, it's like the most ferocious that Russia has. And you're right. They somehow, I think, have to stop it before it gets to the city, because otherwise, if they can get where they are encircling the city, that is going to be disastrous for the people of Ukraine. And I think disastrous for the world. Howard, great points. Thank you very much. Let's go to Juan in the Bronx. Go ahead, Juan. Your thoughts about all this. Hi, Rita. How are you? Great show as usual. Thank you. Thank you. I'm praying for the people of Ukraine. I'm very worried what's happening. So am I, Rita. And I saw the convoy is frightening, but there's one thing I have to tell you, Rita. For so I'm not shocked they are putting on such a brave fight, because for some reason, the men from that part of the world are very strong and very macho. And when I say strong, I don't mean just physically. Many of those people have no hard times all their lives. Many are descendants of the whole. Um, of Poland and Holocaust are going to bed on an empty stomach. It's it's nothing rare to them. You see what I mean? Yeah. By Uh, the way, you're right. You're right. The Ukrainian people are, you know, very strong-willed, very passionate. And you know, it's amazing, Juan. Um, You know, you talk about the guys and the women, too. I mean, I've been watching these interviews and i've been like i don't know you know all of you guys i've been just like glued to the news you know what i mean because there's been so much going on and some of these women some of the like ukrainian parliament women you know who are in parliament they're politicians and they're sitting there with uh, like an ak-47 saying you know that they're ready to pick up arms and ready to fight and that no matter what it takes they're going to do it um and i also love some of these stories juan thank you by the way very much for the call that was a great call Um, And I also think about some of the other stories of like a bartender. There's a brewery in Ukraine that the guy is like, well, you know, nobody's coming in for business right now because they're bracing for what's about to come and what's already starting there. So what he's doing is he's using the alcohol and he's creating Molotov cocktails. I love that story. And he's literally, as opposed to serving drinks, you go there and you're a, you're a fighter and he's going to give you a free Molotov cocktail or a few that you can throw at a Russian tank. And by the way, my dad used to throw those Molotov cocktails. He knows they can do some pretty good damage. 
you know, you get them into the right place at a tank or you put them in the nozzle, you somehow open the tank and say, surprise, you know, uh, you can definitely do some damage. And so how amazing is it that the Ukrainian people are just picking up arms and doing this and they're coming together? It's it's an unbelievably inspiring story. What do you think we should do, everybody, with that 40-mile convoy that is inching its way to the capital city? And is there something that we in the world can do to help stop it so it does not reach and does not slaughter the Ukrainian people? 1-800-848-9222. And you're listening to The Rita Cosby Show. This is The Rita Cosby Show. Breaking news. And you are listening to breaking news of the Russia-Ukraine crisis here on The Rita Cosby Show as we speak A massive military convoy, a Russian military convoy, is headed toward the capital city of Kiev. And we are also being told that explosions are being heard as we speak and gunfire in the capital city. Again, that massive convoy has not reached its area yet. But what can we do to stop it? Is there something that America and the world can do? Because that is a massive convoy that will unleash a bloody, bloody siege on the capital city. And that's what their intent is, to go after the heart and soul of Ukraine, also to try to get President Zelensky, who has been such a hero, I think, to the world in all of this. And uh, Congressman Senator Tom Cotton said this about what has been happening. And he also lays a lot of blame for this moment in history on President Biden's weak leadership and weak stance against President Putin. He said the writing was on the wall. Putin always said that he was going to try to take over Ukraine. He said it in a manifesto back in July. He even announced it to the world and that Biden has not been leading the world and pushing for hardware, military hardware to get to the Ukrainian people and sanctions that he should have done that much, much sooner than he did, which were just really in the last few days. The people of Ukraine needed it months ago. And Tom Cotton blames a lot of it on Biden's policies. So why is it that now he's put more than 100,000 troops on our border? And there, I think President Biden bears a lot of the blame. For a year, he's been appeasing Vladimir Putin. Uh, He gave him a very one-sided nuclear arms control treaty the very first month of his presidency. He removed sanctions from the Nord Stream 2 gas pipeline from Russia to Germany, which his own party opposed. He really did nothing about the colonial pipeline hack. And then, of course, in August, Vladimir Putin, like the rest of the world, saw Joe Biden's debacle in Afghanistan. So that's why Vladimir Putin thinks the timing is right here and why this matters for the American people. It is very dangerous when you allow our adversaries like Russia and China and Iran to try to upend the status quo. And all we do is have strongly worded speeches or some mealy mouth sanctions. Yeah, absolutely. The Ukrainian people need a lot more than a strongly worded speech right now. Let's go to Eric in Manhattan. Eric, your thoughts about all this. Go ahead. Hey, Rita. Um, the thing is, they didn't just not ship weapons to uh, to Ukraine. They stopped shipping weapons to Ukraine. And, you know, it wasn't just Biden. I mean, not that he's, he's plenty to blame, but he's surrounded by bad actors and people that are doing these things. Just like Afghanistan. They could have kept 2,500 troops in Kabul and kept, it, kept, the, kept the airport. But what happened? You know, he wouldn't have even known it if they had if they had done that. But but what happened? 
you know. And in, in a perfect world, we, we wouldn't be have to send have to send weapons to Ukraine. You know, I would I would have much rather Russia be our uneasy ally than our enemy. You know, and I have no doubt. Like, say, if, if Trump was president and and Russia was being overwhelmed by China, I know we would send help. As as I mean, as far as the convoy goes, the last thing I'll say is maybe we could airdrop stuff into them, weapons to them, but. Our, our our pilots would be happy enough to do it. They risk their lives, but then would but would would Putin shoot them down? Yeah, that's that's, that's the, line, the issue. You know? I, I don't know what else. I don't know what else. But they should never have stopped. You know who gave the order? Like who said we should stop supplying Ukraine with weapons? Yeah. Well, you, you know, know what? Know. Well, you know what? You know what's interesting? They did not want to at first give them the weapons. The Biden. They basically remember they basically gave them blankets under Obama. That was always sort of their philosophy. And then I think they underestimated Vladimir Putin. I think they thought, well, maybe he won't do it. Meanwhile, he was telegraphing what he was going to do. So I think and I also think had we been energy independent, we wouldn't have had to rely on him. Had we been also exporting and giving we were a net exporter, by the way, of energy under President Trump. Not only were we supplying ourselves, we were also supplying others in the world. So it would have given the world a place to get their energy supply. What what, are the, what is Jen Psaki going to do? Like uh, like blow and hope that the windmills are going to turn faster right now because that ain't going to help Ukraine. You know what is she going to do? You know I mean you know hold up a solar panel and and pray for the people of Ukraine. I mean it's outrageous. So a lot of our policies leading up to this moment, then Putin might not have had the military. He wouldn't have had the finances maybe to keep them going. He might not have even had the fuel. Imagine if we had cut him off sooner and if we had really woken up that Putin was a bad actor and fully supplied Ukraine militarily, financially, in so many ways, then this would not have happened. But we were not leading. And now we are paying a dear price, and so is Ukraine. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody. 1-800-848-9222. And you're listening to The Rita Cosby Show for all the breaking developments from Ukraine. Rita Cosby is on. Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. And this is Rita Cosby in our Support Our Heroes segment, which I love that we do every night. A 100-year-old veteran was honored and recognized by the Twin Tiers Honor Flight Organization in Binghamton, New York. They hosted a reunion for the Mission 11 Honor Flight at the event. 100-year-old World War II veteran Harold Gary was announced as the ambassador extraordinaire for his remarkable and continued support and dedication. Harold Gary joined the U.S. Navy in October 1942 and served for the duration of World War II. Now, to celebrate his 100th birthday in May of 2021, by the way, he held a fundraiser walk at the Montrose High School there to help benefit the Honor Flight program, raising thousands upon thousands of dollars to help send other World War II veterans to visit the World War II Memorial in D.C. and elsewhere. Bravo to the greatest generation still giving back at the ripe young age of 100. What a great, great story. And I always love that we here on the Rita Cosby Show always support our heroes. Well, I think because of that, I get so angry when I see this administration really diminishing 
border patrol agents and our law enforcement agents who are just trying to do such a good job at the border but are overwhelmed by these numbers. And then those working at the airports are overwhelmed with these suddenly secret flights. Well, yesterday, the border, the Biden administration had a meeting with a whole bunch of governors from around the country, and it included some Republican governors who were like, okay, great, now I have a chance to maybe ask the president about border and about immigration. And take a listen, because some questions were fired out to President Biden, and then in the middle of it all, his aides were like, uh 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 we can't have him speak. God forbid, because, you know, he kind of does stream of consciousness. He says way too much. He didn't call them a stupid SOB, but he did get interrupted. Take a listen. But having said that, why don't I stop and uh, take any questions you all may have? And they tell me I'm supposed to call on Governor Cox first. Great. I think we'll have Supreme Court candidates. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Let's go. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Let's go. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Wow, you know it's bad when he can't even answer a question from a governor. Like, oh, no, no, no. Don't let him speak. God forbid. He's the president of the United States. Don't let him say, yeah, our borders are wide open and I'm really thrilled about it. That's probably what he would say. And they're afraid of that. Well, Biden, of course, in the past, and it wasn't that long ago that he was blasting, remember, the Border Patrol, too. He was also just so terrible when those pictures came out, remember, of the guys on horseback. And, it, you know, the guy who took the picture said, no, they weren't whipping the migrants at Del Rio Bridge. They were using the reins, pulling back the horses. Anybody who's used horses, I have a lot of friends who are horseback riders. I've ridden. I'm not that good, but I've ridden. And... They all say, oh, yeah, we use the reins to pull back the horses. That's normal process. Even the guy who took the picture said, no, they were not whipping the migrants. The border agents were not whipping the migrants. They were just pulling the horses back like they normally do. Well, even back then, the president just jumped to conclusions and blasted law enforcement. Take a listen. Remember this? To see people treat it like they did, horses barely running them over, people being strapped, it's outrageous. I promise you those people will pay. They will be an investigation underway now, and there will be consequences. There will be consequences. It's an embarrassment, but it's beyond an embarrassment. It's dangerous. It's wrong. It sends the wrong message around the world. It sends the wrong message at home. It's simply not who we are. And Vice President Kamala Harris, not to be outdone, basically equated it to slavery. I I mean, it was outrageous. Take a listen. This is what she said the same day. Human beings should not be treated that way. And as we all know, it also evoked images of some of the worst moments of our history where that kind of behavior has been used against the indigenous people of our country, has been used against African-Americans during times of slavery. And um, so I'm glad to to know that that Ali Mayorkas, the secretary of the Department of Homeland Security, is taking it very seriously. So he said, "Okay, we're going to do an immediate investigation and we're going to have results of that come out in the next 24, 48 hours. That was September 24th. They have yet to release it. And guess what? You heard from Mark Morgan, the former commissioner of Customs and Border Patrol right here on the show a few minutes ago. I think we all know why. I think they came to the conclusion that clearly there was nothing run by the border agents. They didn't do anything wrong. And the last thing this administration wants to do is admit that they jumped the gun. Well, Ron DeSantis is trying to put the pedal to the metal to this administration. 
you know, on supporting border agents, but also on stopping those secret flights in the middle of the night that we were just talking about. In fact, he has basically gone to court to stop it because he said that even last summer alone, 70 flights came in the middle of the night to Jacksonville. Can you imagine 70 flights alone that he knows of just into Jacksonville alone? And that's why he has taken this administration to court. So stay tuned. We are litigating with them. Uh, we are getting more and more. John Rutherford has helped us get information. Fortunately, since this has become an issue, we haven't seen any flights um, since it's become an issue. Now, we're not convinced that that's going to be the case going forward. Yeah, that's why they're just sending them to everywhere else across the country. one 800 848 You are listening to The Rita Cosby Show. Jen in Boston. Jen, your thoughts about this? I mean, there are so many things that are wrong with it that we don't have an accounting of how many people were on these flights, whether it was going into Jacksonville or going to Westchester or Tennessee, wherever it was all over the country. Um, we don't know how many flights. We don't know how many people. We don't know where they are. We don't know if they have a criminal record. Um, and then they have yet to even release that study to the border agents, too. They have yet to apologize to the border agents, too. The poor people, are they're being overrun. They're, they, they're working basically with their hands tied behind their backs because this administration isn't supporting them. And then they want us to think that our eyes are lying, you know, that those flights, oh, they're not secret. Oh, don't worry about it. I, I mean, the whole thing is just, it's, it's shocking, Jennifer. It's, it's unbelievable. It certainly is, Rita. Oh, a couple of quick points. Let's not forget that one of those flights that went into Florida ended up with a man that chose to sponsor a supposed 17-year-old who was really a 24-year-old, um, ended up being killed by that illegal immigrant. That's um, right. That's right. That okay. horrible case. That's absolutely yeah. right. I'm glad you reminded us of that. One already that we know of. But a um, couple of other quick things. Let's not forget that Biden, one of his first moves was to shut down the office within the White House that President Trump had set up for um, Americans that were victims of violent uh, illegal aliens, you know, mostly people that had been murdered, raped, violently assaulted, mostly murder victims. Um, that's where their families could go for assistance with this office within the White House. And uh, Miriam Mendoza, her son, Brandon Mendoza, um, who was a police officer and killed by an illegal, um, was running that office. Biden shut it down. And you know what he set it up with? It's a place where uh, illegal immigrants can now go when they feel aggrieved by an American citizen. Think about how rich that is. And That's amazing. By the way, I knew that he had shut it down. I didn't realize that it was replaced by, uh, like, uh, of all things, you know, uh, aggrieved illegal immigrants location. I mean, that's such a slap in the face to Miss Mendoza and so many others who've been sadly victimized by this. If I could real quick, um, and I heard a heartbreaking thing tonight on the news. I mean, I'm very familiar with illegal immigrant crime. Many people don't know that there's a Kenyan down in Texas who's a serial killer. Um, you can look him up, Rita. At one point, he was being investigated for hundreds, but it was at least a dozen that he was being fully charged with, that he fit the MO for hundreds. Um, all older women, mostly Hispanic, that he had murdered and robbed. Um, but up here, we had... Um, we had two legal immigrants. They were legal. They were anesthesiologists at a big Boston hospital. An illegal immigrant broke into their home, robbed them, and slit both of their throats and killed them. And tonight I, I heard uh, on our local news and, um, a segment. They were looking for rides for um, veterans 
to go to um, hospitals and doctor's appointments. And I thought at this moment, now just think of all the crime I just listed. You know the thousands upon thousands that no one knows anything about. We, we, just, we just put out a contract through the federal government for $136 million to fly these illegals in and around the country. And yet we are looking, sorry, we are having to beg people to come. They don't pay for these veterans to go to their appointments, Rita. Do you oh, understand what I'm saying? I do. Well, we, I do. We By the way, Jen, what, what a contrast, as you're saying. You know, I mean, I'm so glad you're talking about this. You're right. Why are we not paying for our veterans to be able to make it to their appointments where, boy, if they deserve the help, you know, anybody does. They and law enforcement, of course, I think should get whatever they can to help them. And yet you're right. The, that massive amount of money uh, to move illegal immigrants. And you bring up a great point because it, we're all paying for it. Guess what? It's coming from taxpayer money. That's why we have a right to know. It's not like it's some private corporation. It's American taxpayer dollars that's moving these people. And boy, are our priorities in this administration, this Biden administration, out of whack, that we're not helping our veterans and we're helping illegal immigrants. Um, Jen, thank you. That That's really important. We have to draw attention to this and say this is completely unfair and outrageous. Thank you, Jen, for the call. By the way, you know, I also take comments on Twitter, everybody. You can send me comments at Rita Cosby. Again, at Rita Cosby. And I want to read a comment from Catherine Trunk, who sent me and says the Biden administration needs to come clean about why customs is being treated like a hospitality industry. That is a great point, Catherine. It is. It's like, you know, it's like the welcome mat. Come on in. Let's go to Eric in Manhattan. Eric, real quick. Go ahead. Your thoughts. Hey, Rita. It all ties in with the original reason I called. Um, I'm two for two. Uh, Rob Astorino is great. He's, uh, I, the last time I called, he had just called in, and now he gives us this, uh, the way news is supposed to be done, Re- you know, recorded. Secret camera, hey, if you must, you know, but this is rep- this is replacement migration. I'm your I'm your Latino Trump Democrat uh, in Manhattan there. here. Hi. <laughs> That's great. That's great. But now what do you think, Eric, by the way, and, and Rob Astorino, of course, Westchester, card. former uh, Westchester County Executive, what, what do you think of what's going on? The fact that we still don't know where the people in Westchester or the people wherever, Eric, where do they go? We don't know. It depends. It depends what their job is in the in the in the scheme of things. When all you know, when when everything's sorted out, a lot of these people are, are, you know, men of military age. I mean, I don't want to speculate too much. But again, it is it's replacement migration. They're going to try to pull the race car. I mean, they, they they basically already did. She's going back to slavery. I mean, come on. By the, by the way, you know, Eric, you brought up a great point. That line about it being replacement migration, that is, you know, that's what, you know, Mark Morgan and these people who've never seen the border like this believe. Um, that's, you know, a really powerful point. Let's go to Tony in Brooklyn. Tony, your thoughts. Go ahead, Tony. Hey, Rita. Hey, Tony, what do you think about all this? The fact that we do not know where they went. We don't know who they are, where they went, how many. I think that these people that are being flown around throughout the country are going to save this country one day. How's that? They're going to they're going to do the work that everyday Americans do not want to do. Americans are resigning from their jobs. They don't want to work. They're lazy. They just want to stay home. They want to get paid working these Mickey Mouse Zoom jobs when the real jobs out in the street are not getting done and these uh, migrants are filling the gap. You mean, is that what you're thinking? They're sort of filling the now. Listen, okay, two things, Tony. First off, 
yes, there are illegal immigrants who are doing, you know, you see a lot of them doing gardening work or doing these these other jobs. On the other hand, that is not a reason to bring in individuals who are not vetted. You know, it's not a reason to bring in folks who are, when I say not vetted, I'm not even just talking criminal record. I'm talking about the coronavirus. I mean, there's a million of these things that they are not being checked for. Um, it's it's an absolute national security risk. And it's not just even, you know, from the southern border. I mean, we saw this, a number of Afghan refugees. There's a lot of great folks that helped us in Afghanistan. And I think all of them and an American should come here and get back to American soil that were over there in Afghanistan for sure. But then remember, they were rushing those flights out. And it was like these guys who were like 50 with brides that were like 12. You know, I mean, they weren't vetting them. You know, I mean, you have to check who's coming into this country. And I also don't think that, you know, the, the quote, fill in the gap is a reason to expose ourselves with just whoever comes into this country for them to get a free pass and a free ride, uh, literally coming into Westchester and elsewhere. I mean, the whole thing is just outrageous. Uh, Gino, Jack, really quick, because you've been on hold for a while. Gino, real quick, Gino. Uh, Karina, first of all, I want to say thanks for giving the time to help American veterans. Oh, always. I, I love, love you guys, always. But I want you to know, after all of it said and done, I'm going to hit you with a rapid fire with a few things. Yep, real quick, Gino. First of all, this is it. Joe Biden is not even going to be at the funeral tomorrow, and he's going to be in New York the next day. He's a thug, and his vice president is a witch, and get a load of this. Good news for American veterans. Martina Baruta, who was 40 years with the VA, was fired the other day for misappropriation and embezzling funds. She turned American veterans out in their 80s into 18 degrees weather below zero for the Manhattan VA. She turned them out into, into Nor'easters. I witnessed it. Wow. And she was fired for stealing, for stealing. Wow. By the way, I'm glad that she was fired if indeed she did do that, you know, Gino. And, you know, Gino, you bring up a great point because I was thinking the same thing about, well, first of all, it's outrageous what you're telling me of how the veterans were treated. And, you know, I think they should be treated like gold because they are our precious, you know, our, our precious resource, them and law enforcement. The, you know, I love you guys. Um, the other thing also, Gino, I thought about the exact same thing that you just said about the president coming to New York. Why couldn't you come on the day of a police funeral and come there? I thought the exact same thing. You know, you somehow were able to come the next day, but you don't come the day of one of the most important police funerals in New York history and American history. Everybody knows the case of these two NYPD cops. Everybody feels feels connected to them. And I agree with you. He is missing the mark. He should be there tomorrow. A lot of leaders should be there tomorrow. And if they really cared and wanted to back the blue, they would be there tomorrow. I'm going to be there tomorrow, Gino, and I'm going to bring a lot of Kleenex because I promise you it's going to be very emotional for anybody being there. When we come back, we're going to continue talking on the Rita Cosby Show. And also, by the way, some big news about Whoopi Goldberg. If you haven't heard, she's been suspended, and we're going to tell you why for her comments basically saying, oh, the Holocaust wasn't about race. Outrageous. It's the Rita Cosby Show.
And you're listening to the Rita Cosby Show. By the way, in the last few hours, getting the news that ABC News has suspended the View host Whoopi Goldberg for a few weeks after she drew a lot of criticizing for declaring that the Holocaust was, quote, not about race. Take a listen to what she said last night on Stephen Colbert. It upset a lot of people, which was never, ever, ever, ever my intention. I thought we were having a discussion Mm -hmm. uh, because I feel being black when we talk about race, it's a very different thing to me. Mm -hmm. So I said that I, I felt that the Holocaust wasn't about race. And people got very, very, very angry and still are angry. I mean, I'm getting, you know, all of the the mail from folks and mm-hmm. the very real anger because people feel very differently. But I thought it was a, a salient discussion because as a black person, I think of race as being something that I can see. So I see you and I know what race you are. Because the Jews aren't black, they can't be victimized for their race. I'm glad ABC threw the book at her. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Stan from Forest Hill. Stan, your thoughts? I'm having a problem with this whole conversation. I really do. Because Hitler killed the Jews for one reason. No other reason. Jews. Jews. If they wore a mezuzah, he killed them. If they had a yarmulke, he killed them. Absolutely. If they had Jewish names, he killed them. Yes. If he saw... And what is that? That's Religion. race. That's that's religion. Right, but he considered them... If you're them, a Jew, you're Stan, a no good. If Stan, you're a white... He considered them an inferior race. And I think that Whoopi Goldberg, that fact that she tried to double down and try to say, oh, well, I can't believe race. Uh, race is only black people being victimized. Like, how could white people be oppressed? It shows ignorance. It shows stupidity. She was on the biggest... One of the biggest shows in the country, and I'm glad that ABC has taken a stand. Bravo. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.